Look with me, if you would, in Romans, the 12th chapter. We began last Sunday a new series, and we're continuing in that today. Romans chapter 12. And boy, this thing has grown on me. I got to the introduction last week. <laughs> and uh, the more I look at it, the bigger, well, it's a big subject. But it's so important. Romans 12, verse 1. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So much here, but Who's going to present your body a living sacrifice? If you don't do it, it won't get done. The Lord's not going to make you, and other people can't make you do this. This will have to be my choice for me, your choice for you. And then he says, acceptable to God. That reveals to you that there is that which is acceptable to God and that which is unacceptable, that is not acceptable to him. Look at the next verse, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. And then he tells you how that's going to happen by the renewing of your mind. What's the result of being transformed by the renewing of my mind, which is the opposite of being conformed to this world? What's the result of that? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That will change you. It'll transform you and I. What? Finding out what the will of God is. And doing it. Will absolutely transform you. The word transform, if you look it up in the Greek, it's the word we get like when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. Metamorphosis, that's right. A transformation. Not just a a little bit of a change. (laughs) A, A transformation. Now, if we make no effort to do this, what will happen? You'll be conformed to the world. You'll think like the unsaved world. You'll act and live like the unsaved world because that's, that's your environment. That's what you're feeding on all the time. That's what you're talking. That's what you're thinking. That's what, that's what you'll do. You'll be conformed to this world. All you got to do to be conformed to this world is nothing. Make no effort to do anything otherwise, just go with the, the, the stream of the world. But God's will is that we discover his will. And that we be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That we may prove, and that, that has to do with test and distinguish what is 
the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now there are two giant errors among many people in the world and including the church about the will of God. One is that everything is God's will. Everything that happens is the will of God, the mystical will of God. And and you'll find millions of people that I don't care if it's tragedy, earthquake, storm, even the results of crime, they'll try to tell you, you know, God, it was God's will that that five-year-old got killed in that automobile accident. We just don't understand it, but it is the mysterious, unknowable will of God and that pretty much anything and everything is somehow God's will. But that's not what the Bible says. I said, that's not what the Bible says. And if everything is the will of God, why would we need to be renewed with our mind so we could distinguish what the will of God is? See, that doesn't make sense. If everything that happens is the will of God, then all I got to do is wake up and see what happens. And realize, well, that was the will of God. Right? (laughs) Look in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Ephesians chapter 5 and 17. 517, they'll put it on the screen for us. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but what? Understanding what the will of the Lord is. If everything that happens is the will of God, why do I need discernment? Why do I need mind renewal? Why do I need to learn how to distinguish what's God's will and what's not God's will? No, child of God, everything that's happening down here is not God's will. In fact, much of what's happening down here is not the will of God. Do you remember that Jesus taught the disciples and us to pray? Our Father which art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy what? Will Will be done. Did he say thy will will be done? Just know that if it's happening, it's the will of God. No. He, He taught them and us pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. If the will of God is being done, why would you need to pray? That it would be done. And all you got to do. Is look at this. How much crime do they have in heaven? Rioting. Cruelty and murder. and How much? Famine. Poverty. People starving. How much? How much? None. You know why? Because God's will is being done there. In its entirety. And if it's not happening in heaven, all the junk that's happening down here, that's not the will of God. Because he prayed, he didn't have two separate wills, a will for heaven and a will for earth. He said, pray thy will, am I quoting him correctly? Pray thy will be done on earth, how? As it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Soon and very soon, the Lord's going to fix everything 
right? And, and there's going to be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more dying. Why? That's the will of God. You want to see the will of God? Back up to Genesis. Before sin. Before the fall. He made it the way he wanted it. And sin and disobedience did not improve it. And the entrance of the curse into it didn't make it better. That's the will of God. Pre-sin. Pre-curse. That's the perfect will of God. And now fast forward. To the end of the book. After the devil is removed. And there's no more curse. And there's no more death. That's the will of God. All this junk happening in between. That's the result of man's sin. And the devil's work. And don't call that the will of God. The Young's literal translation of this. Ephesians 5.17 says. Because of this. Become not fools, but understanding what is the will of the Lord. Don't be a fool, but understand what God's will is, what the will of the Lord is. Does the Lord want us to know his will? Can we understand his will? This wouldn't make sense if I can't understand his will. I said two giant errors about this in the church and otherwise Number one, people believing that everything that happens is somehow the will of God. That is not true. That is error. Y'all with me? Secondly, a lot of people believe that we cannot understand the will of God. It is too advanced. It is too complicated for us mere mortals. Well, if I can't understand the mystical will of God, how can I be expected to do the will of God? Huh? That doesn't make sense. And it doesn't agree with the scriptures. Did you see this verse right here? Don't be unwise. Don't be foolish, but what? But what? Say it out loud. What? Understanding what the will of the Lord is. What does that mean? It means you can understand it. Now granted, the big picture, there's a lot you and I are not going to see down here. But as it pertains to your life, what you need to know about living and doing the will of God, not only can you understand it, God expects you to find it and get it and understand it and do it. Say it out loud, I can find the will of God for my life. I can Understand the will of God. I can, by His grace, do the will of God. Yes, you can. Don't believe anything contrary to that. Transformed by the renewing of our minds to the end so that we can test and prove and distinguish what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Somebody say perfect Perfect. will of God. Now that that word perfect is used differently in scripture than in our modern usage and vernacular. 
when we use the word perfect, we tend to think flawless, perfect, flawless, errorless, flawless. But that's not what this word means that's here translated perfect in numerous other places. It means complete, complete. It means fully developed, developed to the end. And uh, the Bible talks about us growing up in Christ-likeness to a perfect man. That means full-grown, fully developed. We're born again babies, and if we'll start feeding on the sincere milk of the Word, start growing, we will not remain babies spiritually, but we'll grow up and can become mature ones, fully developed ones, or the King James would call that perfect, right? Not flawless, but complete. And the reason I talk about this is because if there's a perfect will of God, what else must there be? Imperfect. What do you mean? Well, the will of God can't be imperfect. No, but you can live in it imperfectly. What does that word perfect mean? Complete. If there's a complete will of God, what else can there be? Incomplete. And I like to say it like this. If there's a perfect, there's a partial. Partial. And this is where many of the troubles come in. Only partially doing the will of God. Only partially living and pursuing the will of God. We, we mentioned this last, last week. I, I talked about, oh, this has been 30 plus years ago. I was uh, on a mission trip down in Central America. And while I was there, there was an attempt to overthrow the current government. And there was firing in the streets and it was panic and chaos. And we came back to the ministry compound and uh, everybody was quiet. And the leader of the ministry said, do you believe that the Lord directed you to come here? Well, you would really be questioning it right now if you didn't. But I, I knew beyond any question, I, I didn't plan on doing this. It, the Lord had to prompt me several times to get me to do this. And I knew I was there by his direction. And he, this man said, the, the head of that ministry, he said, if the Lord directed you to come here and you are here in the perfect will of God, then you're safer here than you would be back in the States at your own house. Out of the will of God. Because, I mean, you can live in the safest state, in the safest county in the world and get hit by a bus crossing the street. Right? Without the keeping and protection of God, I mean, you know, don't laugh. Well, you may laugh anyway, but people are killed by coconuts falling on their head. See, you laughed. They are. A lot of people worldwide are killed by falling coconuts. Check it out. See if it's true or not. See, everybody's laughing. Well, dead is dead. And the thing, <laughs> you couldn't keep from laughing on that one, could you? You just. The thing is, you need to be ready to go. All the time, you need to receive the Lord. You need to be in good fellowship with Him, ready to go all the time. Because this is a dangerous world we live in. 
And so what am I saying is you could be on the most peaceful, most beautiful island in the world, almost uninhabited, and bonk, <laughs> coconut take you out, and, and uh, so it wasn't just the geographic location that was the safest. Tell me where the safest place on earth is. Come on, help me out. In the center of the perfect will of God for your life, that's the safest place on earth. It's also the happiest place on earth. (laughs) The most peaceful, the most joyous, the most satisfying, the most fulfilling. Tell me what the most miserable place on earth is. (laughs) Out of the will of God. I had... uh, I had the privilege of teaching in uh, Rhema Bible Training Center for a number of years. And uh, I got to know some of the students during the course of the year. We'd have what we call lab classes where they would have to preach for 12 minutes. And we instructors would uh, talk to them about it. And it actually had to be graded and that kind of thing. And it was an exercise of learning how to accomplish something within a time frame and, and that kind of thing. And so anyway... One of the couples I met was a young man and woman, and he, he's a funny guy, this guy. And um, he, they invited us to eat with them, and I got to know him a little bit. But anyway, years later, they, he called the office, and uh, I got his number, and I called him back, and, and I said, uh, what's going on? And uh, he said, oh, Brother Keith, he said, I'm writing a book. I said, you're writing a book? He, he said, yeah. He said, it's a uh, how to miss God and be miserable. <laughs> he, said, uh, he said, yeah, my wife, he called her name. He said, she cries, kids cry, the dog cries, I cry. He said, it's awful, Brother Keith. And he proceeded to tell me how that they had missed God by doing the wrong thing, going to a wrong place. And so um, it's an unhappy place to be in. When you're not in the will of God, but the mistake people make, you got people experiencing the curse and claiming it's the will of God. Claiming it's the result of them being in the will of God. This is misrepresenting God. And it's not taking responsibility for your own choices. Look with me, if you would, in Isaiah 1. Isaiah 1. And 19, a lot of you have this one marked, but uh, we're going to be looking at this one more than once or twice during the course of this. There is so much in this. It starts off with what? If. If you. So this whole thing he's about to describe is conditional. It's not automatic. This is not going to automatically happen. What he's about to say is going to happen if you, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Has anybody got that one marked? Do you you like that? You ever quoted it? Ever? Me too. There's another verse comes right after it. Verse 20, what does it say? But if you Refuse and rebel. Refuse and rebel what? If you're unwilling 
If you won't obey, if you're unwilling to do what? Well, what God wants you to do. His will, his plan, his, his word. If you won't do it, if you won't listen, you'll be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Is that just as true as verse 19? So what's God's will? Eating the good of the land? Or being devoured? Eating the good of the land? Or being consumed and destroyed? Which one's the will of God? Well, which one's the will of God? Being will and obedient? Or refusing and rebelling? Which one's the will of God? But so you got a lot of people refusing and rebelling and are mad because they're not eating the good of the land. And they're attributing their being consumed and destroyed to the will of God. But to say that being devoured and consumed is the will of God is to say that refusing and rebelling is the will of God. And that's not the will of God. Refusing and rebelling is not the will of God. Now, a number of Old Testament scriptures talk about God will smite you with this or, or God struck them with this and, and folks say, well, you know, see, God is, he's hurting people. No, there's a bigger picture here. What happens is God is the righteous judge of all the earth and his judgments, if people disobey and won't repent, allow the operation of the enemy. His judgments allow the enemy to destroy. But it's not his will. And it doesn't please him any more than the disobedience was. But the reason I'm saying this, this is another teaching, another study. The reason I'm saying it, if you say, well, that bothers me, you know, about, say, the curse of the law. You'll be smitten with this. You'll be struck with this. You'll be smitten with the other. All you got to do is obey and believe, and you don't even have to be concerned about all of that. Is that right? That, that don't apply to you. Because <laughs> you never find where it says, trust God and obey, and you'll be struck. You'll be smitten with the curse of the No. <laughs> That's for the defiant, the rebellious, the disobedient. If you will obey and trust, whether you understand that or not, it doesn't apply to you. If, somebody say if, 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 if you be willing and not just good intentions, but follow through, obedient. You're willing to do it and you do it. You will eat the good of the land. Now the good of the land referred to the best. The best of the best. Is that God's will? That you enjoy the best the land has to offer. Well, that includes everything. The best. Are the best things in this world only for the ungodly? Only for unbelievers? No. Did everybody get that answer right? No. Because Jesus was poor so you could be poor. No. We just got through reading scripture that said the opposite. Right? No. No. That's not what it said. He became poor so that you through his poverty might be rich. rich. It's not an ugly word. The more you have, nobody said you had to keep it all. 
The more you have, the more you can give. The more you can do. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Now go with me, if you would please, to Philippians, the second chapter. There's a lot more to say about that. But let's lay some more foundation. I want you to be solid, solid in this so that nobody, no enemy can shake you. You know what you know. You're sure about what his will is. Good of the land? Consumed and destroyed. Which one's the will of God? Come on, help me. Well, Willing and obedient? Or refuse and rebel? Which one's the will of God? And the revelation is here. If you want to experience the will of God, you must do the will of God. If you want to experience all the will of God, which is good, you must do all the will of God. Go all the way. And you can Just go partially. There are a lot of believers. They received the Lord as their Lord, confessed Him as Lord, and they might give Him a Sunday here and there. Resurrection Sunday, Thanksgiving, Christmas. (laughs) But the rest of the time is theirs. And They don't seek his will about how to live their lives. They don't seek his word. They're trusting him for them to be saved when they leave here. And so it is God's will that they be saved. So they're partially in the will of God. Can you see that? Is it God's will that they never have any time for him? They never seek him for his personal plan for their life? No. They're only partially in his will. And so they only experience partially his goodness. And experience a lot of things you shouldn't experience. Because a lot of what they're doing is not the will of God. And it's not for me to judge you or you to judge me. But look in the mirror and make an assessment. Do I want to know the will of God? Do I want to do the will of God completely? Life is short, short. Oh, it's short. You will soon be out of here. Even if you make it to 100 plus. I saw something the other day. I've been a student of longevity for decades now. I've studied it when I was in healing school and that kind of thing. And, and, uh, so I like to see people that make it to older age and hear their mentality and how they think and this and that. And there was a lady that had on the news, some of you might have seen it, she made 106, I believe it was 106, and uh, it was her birthday, 106 years old. And so they asked her what was her uh, secret. And she says, God and Big Macs. <laughs> And I, and I could hear corporate McDonald's going, yeah, <laughs> take that. <laughs> yeah. 
God and Big Macs. <laughs> so it wasn't just her perfect diet. <laughs> there are other factors than the natural. The biggest factors of living long are spiritual. There are some natural components, but those are not the big ones. Because you'll see people who are so strict in their diet and exercise regimen, dead at 34. Right? Dead at 42. I mean, that is not an assurance that you're going to make it long life. Without going into this, what I have found in, in my studies of this, one of the biggest factors is eliminating stress. Stress. Stress is a killer. It'll age you prematurely and cause you to die young or die early. It'll wear you out before your time. It'll actually age your systems, your organs, your glands, everything. We were not designed to carry care. It breaks you down. And the Lord has commanded us, hasn't he? He commanded us. Be careful for nothing. Cast all your cares over on him. Worry is not an option. And yet most believers live in all kind of worry. They're just fretting continually about something. If you let the enemy play you, you will stay upset about something all the time. As soon as you get one thing fixed, there'll be something else. Yeah, have you noticed it? And if you will let it get to you, you will stay upset, worked up, anxious, scared, mad, what hurt, whatever, about something all the time, unceasing, unending. And if you do that, you won't make it long life. You won't. Because you're violating the Word of God. You're violating the things that contribute. And so every every one of those people... Uh, uh, Another guy I tell you about, he was he was over in Georgia. He made 113, I think. He's gone now, he's passed on now. But uh he said a similar thing. They asked him, Man, what's your secret? He said, Trust God. Just trust God. He paused. He said, and <laughs> I've always smoked Prince Albert tobacco. <laughs> but I want you to notice both of those. Notice what they started with? Trust God. And you could hear it in their tone. They're not in a hurry to tell you this. There is an emanation of peace. I saw this back when I was studying this, and how did, how did we get into this? But uh, years ago I saw this, the difference between the lion and the crocodile. If you go to the zoo and you see a lion, depending on what time it is, what's going on, a lot of times they're like this. Go by the crocodile place. He's like this. And when that lion's bones are bleached, yeah. old croc, still be around. <laughs> you got to learn to cast your cares 
over on the Lord. You got to learn to lean on him and not stay in this tense. You, you can't make it long like this. Things will start breaking. Things will start quitting. Things will start malfunctioning. You live like that very long. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. You are my peace. I cast all my cares about everything over on you. You are my peace that passes understanding. And with long life, you will satisfy me and show me your salvation. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Did you find Philippians, the second chapter? And look there at the 12th verse. Philippians 2 and 12. He said, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, there's obedience, willing and obedient. What do we know about them? They're going to eat the good of the land. Not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? That's King James. It certainly doesn't mean work for your salvation. That's the opposite of the New Testament. So what does it mean? It's the same idea. And we need to, all you got to do is read the next verse, and it's self-explanatory, but it's the same idea of this thing about the perfect will of God. To work out means to complete, to finish. If you look up the word, to complete it, to finish it, to do it thoroughly, finish your, your salvation, your, your walk of salvation, complete it, go all the way, verse 13 For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God wants you to know his will. He wants you to do it so much that his spirit is working in you to incline you to want to do his will and to enable you to accomplish and do his will. This is a great confession. I said this is a great confession. Said out loud. God, God is working in me. Working in me both, to will both to will. And to do. And to do of, his good pleasure. of his good pleasure. Of his good pleasure means what pleases him good. Or what pleases him well. This is his will. This is his perfect will. And God is working in me. And all he needs is a cooperation of your choice. What is a will? A will. What is a will? If you look up the words in the scripture here, it basically means a determination or a choice. A determination or choice. We use the terminology so-and-so's will after they died. Their will. Well, what, what does that mean? 
do you find out the choices they made, the determinations they made about what they wanted done with their stuff? It's their determinations, their, their choice. And when you're talking about the will, one of the biggest things you're talking about is our choice. Our choice. And the biggest threat to the will of God in your life, in mine, is your will. I said your will. Or my will to me. The biggest threat to the will of God. In our lives. Is our own will. In order to do his will. We'll have to submit. Our will. To his. And there are many times that will not. Be easy. It wasn't easy for the Lord, Jesus, and it won't be easy for you always, or me. There'll be times, it won't be that big of a deal, but there'll be other times when it was your will to do something else, and then you realize, but this is his will. <laughs> now you got a what? Choice. You got a choice. Am I going to do my own will? Or am I going to put my will aside? Because that's what has to be done. Am I going to die to my dream? Or my desire or the thing I, I was set that I wanted to do? Am I willing? If the Lord tells me no, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to do this. Am I willing to say, okay, not my will, but your will be done. That is the biggest factor in going all the way in the will of God. Because God is faithful. He will cause you to see and know his will if you receive him and you care about him and you ask him and tell him that you want to know his will. I'm telling you, he's faithful. You will see it. You will find it. You will realize, you'll come to a place where you realize this is the will of God. But whether you do it or not, will be entirely up to you or me. Because it'll be, a, it'll be a fork in the road. You'll have to die to something that you wanted more than once in order to fulfill his will. Many are not willing to do that. So they only live partially in his will. And it's also a reason why they experience things they shouldn't experience. Don't experience things that they should. If you get on the wrong road, you go through places you wouldn't have gone through. I mean, that's just a geographic fact. If you'd have been on a different road, you wouldn't have gone through those towns. Right? And so on the path that God has for us, his perfect will, it's a path of light. I didn't say there'd never be any challenge or anything to have to overcome. There will be, but there'll be grace to overcome it. And if you'll stay with him, there'll be victory after victory and success after success. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it'll get brighter and brighter, more and more light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Until you reach the end of it and you leave here. 
go on to the next segment of the will of God. Past this life. Keep reading here in Philippians. It's God that works in you both to will and do of his good pleasure. Now notice the very next phrase. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. The Amplified says it like this. Do all things without grumbling and fault finding and complaining and questioning and doubting. What's that got to do with him working in you to will and do of his good pleasure? And the very next verse says, do everything without grumbling and complaining and questioning and doubting. Well, go to first, I believe it's first, uh, yeah, first Thessalonians five. That's it. First Thessalonians five. Man, this is good. Are you awake? You're about to really get something important. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 16. Are you there? Check your neighbor. Make sure they're awake. They, they, They must not miss this. They must not. Rejoice evermore. Keep going. Verse 17. Pray without ceasing. Keep going. In everything... Give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Said out loud, give thanks. Give thanks. In, everything. in everything. This is the will of God. Now the number one place, the first place you look for the will of God is the word of God. The Word of God is the will of God. And I just want us to take this one one thing right here. Is giving thanks the will of God? In what? In everything. This describes a lifestyle. Doesn't mean that you're saying thank you with every breath, but it means There's never a time in your life where you go days and don't thank God. This is your way of life. Is everybody practicing that? Then is everybody doing the will of God? No. So if you gave thanks only one time a year during Thanksgiving, (laughs) are you... Are you doing the perfect or complete will of God? No, you are barely doing the will of God at all. And you're doing better than some who are not doing it at all. But if you thank God, you know, four or five times a year, you're not doing this. Is this the will of God? Y'all are, y'all are getting quiet. Is this an isolated thought or do we find this in other places in the scripture? Let, let me read a couple of things. So don't turn there, but just listen. Psalm 34, 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 
Ephesians 5.20 says, Giving thanks always for all things to God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.6 says, Be careful for nothing. We were just talking about that. If I'm not going to worry and stay upset all the time, what do I do instead? Here you go. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Everybody say thanksgiving, thanksgiving. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Somebody say, giving thanks, giving thanks, giving thanks. These are multiple witnesses. One more, Hebrews 13.15. Hebrews 13.15 says, By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God Every Thanksgiving. Continually what? The fruit of our lips. Doing what? Giving thanks unto his name. Now go back to the text. First Thessalonians. First one we looked at. First Thessalonians 5.18. 5.18. In everything. Give thanks. I say sometimes what? In your pajamas. Give thanks. In your dress clothes. Give thanks. In the good times. Give th- in the bad times. Now you don't give thanks for what the devil is doing. But you thank God for what he's doing. Right? But in every situation, in every circumstance, without ceasing, continually, give thanks. Why? Everybody read it out loud. For this is the will of God. Now how many people worldwide have a lifestyle of continually thanking God? That gives you a snapshot of how many people in the world are actually living in the will of God. Because see if you don't do this, what else are you ignoring and not doing? Why would it be the will of God for us to give thanks all the time as a way of life? So many things tie into this. You don't thank a God you don't believe exists. Come on, can you see that? You don't thank a God you don't believe is good. What would you be thanking him for if you're mad at him because you thought he did bad things to you? When you're thanking God, you're communing with God. We're talking about a continual fellowship with the Father. We're talking about an awareness of how great He is, of how dependent on Him I am, of this connection that i got to have. He's the vine. I'm the branch. Take another breath and say, thank you. (laughs) Is that right? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's sustaining me. You might say, well, I've experienced some bad stuff. Are you on the right road? How much of his will are you endeavoring to do? Come on, can you see this? It's the mercy of God. Many times that people are so far out of the will of God and still by his mercies. Did you hear that phrase? I exhort you by the mercies of God. By his mercies. People are given more time. You have, I have been given more time and opportunity. But let's start with this one today. 
In everything. Give thanks. Why? It's the will of God. This is the will of God. <laughs> now, there's all kind of church going people. They don't do this. They got no plan to do this. They're like, well, I, you know, I'm thankful in my heart. <laughs> really? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If it never comes out of your mouth, it ain't really there, honey. Or not enough of it to come out. <laughs> huh. start right here. Can you see what I'm, why I'm talking about this? This is a snapshot of what people do with the will of God. Why do millions not thank God on a regular basis? Ignorance is one reason. They've never heard this. They don't know this. They don't understand it. So they really are ignorant of his will. But a lot of other people, they've heard it, but they're indifferent. They're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I know know that's nice. But, you know, I got to live in the real world. (laughs) And, you know, if you knew what I was going through, then you would, I would what? I didn't write that. This ain't between me and you. He said, it is his will that we thank God all the time, in every situation. Is that right? We ought not go very long, for sure not a whole day, not even a half a day, that we don't say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you, Lord, for your mercies to me today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for meeting my needs. Thank you, Lord. You're the healer. You keep me. Thank you, Lord. This is the will of God. So you got people that don't know it, ignorant. That's why they're not doing it. You got people that are indifferent. They're like, it just hasn't registered on them, I guess, that God really said it. That he meant what he said. I don't know. But then you got another group. Defiant. They don't care what he said. They know how they feel. And if they don't feel like it. They're not going to do it. And you can't make me. So stay sad. And stay out of the will of God. And experience all manner of things that are not the will of God. If you refuse and rebel, you'll be consumed. You'll be devoured. Don't let this be too simple for you. When you find out something's the will of God, and there's no question about it, this is the will of God. When you find out, now what do we got? We got a choice, right? Are we going to bring our will in line and under his will? No, yeah, but, or I don't have time, or that doesn't work for me, or that's not my personality, or what? Then you are holding your will above his will. But this is one thing. In everything, give thanks. Why? You don't need any other reason than this. It is the will of God in Christ Jesus 
for you. Somebody say, it is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning me, for me, that I give thanks always in everything. You going to do the will of God? Who in here is going to do the will of God and thank God as a way of living, as a way of all the time? You just don't go very long. And you're not doing it for somebody else to hear you. No. But it's in you. And you're acknowledging what God has done for you. Child of God, he chose you. Out of the billions on this planet, he chose you. Before you chose him, he chose you. Wrote your name. In the Lamb's book of life. Gave you an eternal place. In his kingdom. We don't don't even know what that is. Made you a king. And a son of God. High above an angel. Should it be hard for us to say. Thank you. Should it be hard. God has kept you. Through all the junk. That's going on down here. And everything that's going all around us. He has kept you. He has kept you and sustained you unto this present hour. Should it be a hard thing for us to open our little mouth and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you." you. And to refuse to do that is defiance. It's being rebellious. I don't have to. Of course you don't have to. You don't have to do anything. God's not going to make you. But don't complain when you're experiencing things that are not the will of God. And don't complain when you're not experiencing the best and good of the land. Don't gripe. It was your choice. But as for me and my house, we're going to thank the Lord. We're going to thank the Lord in the morning. When we open our little eyes and take a... We're going to thank the Lord for our cornflakes. We're going to thank the Lord... For our socks and our shoes. We're going to thank the Lord. That our ankles work. And our hips work. We're going to thank the Lord. That my, my lungs can take in a full breath. I'm going to thank the Lord. I got food I can eat today. I can give. I'm going to. I'm up here preaching. Thank you Lord. Oh stand on your feet. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you, 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 Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.